Good morning. It is October 23rd, Saturday, 2021 in the Common Era calendar. I am Joe Triton Schmidt, and you are listening to the Conspiracy to Commit Poetry podcast. I am recording this in beautiful Gaziantep, Turkey, where there is not a cloud in the sky this morning. Uh, I'm actually sitting on my back balcony here in the Binavlar neighborhood of Gaziantep, the Shahinbe uh, borough or Belediese or city of Shahinbe within the province of Gaziantep. I really don't understand the municipal divisions around here, but uh, Gaziantep is, uh, you know, politically more like a uh, metro area, smaller than a province bigger than a normal North American city, but um, in any case, the the birds are singing, you may hear uh, automobiles in the background or other ambient noise, Uh, the back balcony here looks out onto uh, a side street where uh, people park, it's a little narrow street, so there are all these uh, comedic traffic jams. Uh, during the weekday when people go to work. But this morning it's Saturday. Uh, you see some laundry out. Uh, there are uh, many uh, tall apartment buildings uh, around me with other balconies. Uh, they're building another one a block over another apartment building. And I'm looking at a man uh, working on top of that building on a Saturday. A lot of people work actually in this town on Saturday, uh, including my wife who has left me home alone today and whenever I have the house to myself, I'm always tempted to record another episode. Um, I believe this is episode number six, but who's counting? I guess I am. Uh, so yeah, man, I'm sitting outside today. Usually I do this in my office or indoors. But it's just so sunny and nice. I really love October here. Uh, The heat is gone. Uh, It's interesting because, um, you know, a lot of local people I talk to, uh, they they think this is the cold season and they're bundling up in all these jackets. And, uh, of course, I'm from North America. So uh, I love this weather. This is my weather. This is... uh, uh, it's not cold to me. It's it's cool. It's pleasant, and of course it's uh, it's sunny. So I love the sun. Uh, one of the best things about living in this town is uh, um, is just how much uh, you know free vitamin D I'm getting out of the sky. I uh, picked a poem for this week, just one poem, and it's from one of my most prized uh, books in my. Uh, poetry collection I have here, my very small poetry library. I used to have a much bigger poetry library, but uh, life and travels uh, uh, more than decimated it. So so the beautiful thing about that is that it forced me to kind of uh, really pick uh, as I sold books off or gave them away or donated them in in moving and then trying to avoid uh, uh, the cost of uh, storage and whatnot. 
uh, I was forced to choose which books are worth uh, traveling with. And uh, one of those books that made the cut, and uh, you know, if I had to cut down to five poetry books, uh, I, I would choose this book in my top five of books that I have. Uh, and this is a beautiful bilingual edition of, uh, in English, it's Odes to Common Things by Pablo Neruda. But of course, Pablo Neruda uh, wrote in Spanish, not English. And I believe the uh, original Spanish name of this book is Odes Elementales. And if you are a Spanish speaker and you are listening today, I am going to apologize beforehand for butchering your language. I'm ashamed to say that I'm from a country with millions of resident uh, speakers of Espanol, Spanish, Hispanolja, as uh, they say in Turkish. And uh, unfortunately, um, you know, I don't, I am not fluent in Spanish, despite having taken it, uh, having taken uh, three uh, Spanish courses at the university, um, my Spanish is awful. Uh, I can read a little bit of it. Uh, I can, if you give me a, if you give me a dictionary, I could, I could, you know, read something very basic. But, but, so, having said that, uh, this this edition is a bilingual edition. I, th I don't. I hope I mentioned this. It's published by Bullfinch Press, New York, Boston, and London. I'm trying to find a, uh, a date for this edition. Uh, this is copyright 1994. Of course, uh, I, I believe Neruda wrote this maybe in the 1930s. Uh, Neruda, I guess we should talk about Pablo Neruda a little bit if you don't know who he is. Pablo Neruda is, in my estimation, in the estimation of many, actually, the most important poet of the 20th century in any language. Um, that's an enormous boast, I know. Uh, and I'm sure someone can refute that claim. But, and that's fine if you do, because I don't believe in superlatives beyond uh, just being a sort of a method of hyping up somebody. Uh, but why you would uh, speak so superlatively of Pablo Neruda is because uh, he, uh, he was a popular poet in the Latin American world and all the Spanish-speaking world, in fact, in, in Spain also. Uh, he is a native of Chile. Uh, he was very famously a communist, and uh, at times in Chile, when that uh, country uh, elected uh, leftist governments, he uh, he was a senator uh, and a very popular one, uh, representing the interests of uh, working people. Uh, and in times when uh, right-wing governments came to power, uh, very often by uh, the machinations of other countries, <clears throat> the United States, uh, he would be, uh, well, he was denounced famously, I think, in the 1930s uh, by a right-wing government, and they froze his bank account and all this, and, uh, you know, this is during the, uh, fast, the rise of fascism around the world in the 1930s. We forget that there were many uh, fascist governments or several fascist governments in uh, Latin America in the 1930s, which is why after World War II and the defeat of Nazi Germany, so many Germans moved to uh, South America because they had uh, 
fascist uh, sympathizers down there. And, and, and in my limited understanding of Latin America, um, you know, I understand that that is sort of the, the politics of Latin America in the last uh, century or more. Um, you have uh, very, very right-wing people and very, very left-wing people, and there's not a very strong center uh, as there had been in the 20th century in America, in the United States, I mean, the United States of America. Um, so, uh, and, and maybe this is uh, instructive to uh, people from North America, the United States, because uh, well, uh, you know, uh, American politics, um, United States politics, are becoming very, uh, you know, bifurcated, uh, left, right, with with very little center. So, without uh, going further down the uh, politics rabbit hole, uh, I, I do think it is important to acknowledge uh, Pablo Neruda as a Marxist writer. Um, he and and and. and so this book is is very much in the uh, Marxist vein in the sense of it's uh, it's a book about material things. Uh, but I will say about Neruda is he is uh, a spiritual materialist. So um, if you've listened to the podcast before, uh, you know I read things like uh, Mivlana Jalaluddin Rumi in English translation or. Um, or, you know, last, last time around we talked about Jim Harris and, <clears throat> you know, in his interests in Zen Buddhism, um, you know, all these writers with these sort of uh, spiritual dimensions. Uh, this is, uh, and I guess this is the grand uh, theme of uh, the podcast, this idea that uh, poetry is a kind of sacred language. Okay, great. So uh, my atheist friends, my uh, Marxist leftist friends out there, my uh, dialectic materialist friends out there may be listening to this and going, okay, so then what about, uh, what about Marxist literature, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, can, can a Marxist literature, uh, can an atheist literature be quote-unquote spiritual? Well, well, strictly speaking, probably no, uh, in that, you know, the spirit, or the word spirit, or uh, in German Geist, which uh, English has the word ghost, uh, which is uh, very close to the word, uh, the Latin word spirit, or Latinate word spirit. Uh, uh, you know, a, a spirit or a ghost is not material, so uh, in that sense. But if you mean uh, reverent, uh, if you mean uh, uh, almost religious or, or religious-like, uh, I think reverent, uh, to revere, uh, to be reverent, uh, a sense of reverence, of um, mystical reverence. How about that? To be mystically reverent, can 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 a Marxist writer be mis mystically reverent? Um, yes, Pablo Neruda shows us. Yes, a a Marxist writer can be mystically reverent. Uh, and so the beauty of Otis Elementalis, and I will refer to it in the English, um, uh, Otis Elementalis, Odes to Common Things, is, is about material things, you know, uh, tactile things, things you could hold in your hand, ordinary quotidian items. Uh, but, of course, Neruda writes about them in the most uh, uh, reverent terms. Uh, uh, 
that the material world is sacred and that is beautiful uh, it is a sort of an inside out uh, you know is the opposite of of a, of a kind of a platonic uh, spirituality where you know the perfect form is in, in heaven in the mind of, of God uh, that that platonic idea is uh, that, that platonic idea is uh, replicated or echoed or, or affirmed in uh, Christian thought and Islamic thought um, so you know even though it's the other side of the coin it's the same coin though is what I'm saying and, and so uh, in this in this Marxist writing uh, Neruda is is so he's mystically reverent about ordinary things uh, the poem I chose today is uh, uses an item that has um, uh, that connotes meanings from the uh, Judeo-Christian Islamic uh, tradition, um, the apple in Genesis. I'm getting a little too far ahead of myself because I did not finish my apology to Spanish speakers. So what, what I wanted to say before, uh, uh, if you're listening to this and you and you are a native Spanish speaker, if you are fluent in Spanish. Um, I will be trying to read a poem uh, in Espanol, in the Spanish language, um, and uh, I will probably butcher the Spanish, and I apologize. Uh, but I, I think it's important to hear it. Uh, many of Pablo Neruda's poems are available in the original Spanish. I want to give a shout out to a guy I've lost lost track of actually in recent years, and uh, that is. Uh, uh, Hernan Campoy, uh, Hernan Federico Campoy, Freddie Campoy, uh, who is my good friend from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, and uh, is a poet himself who writes in uh, both uh, Spanish and English. Uh, he's a bilingual guy uh, of Argentine uh, ancestry. Uh, I think he may have been, uh, if he was not born in, I think he was born in the U.S. in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's a native Los Angelino. But he, uh, uh, he, he lived for long stretches in Ar Argentina, where his parents are from and, and his family is from. So uh, I learned a lot about Neruda from him, um, and I would love sitting with him, and he would just you know, break out some Neruda uh, in the original Spanish and read it to me, because it's just so beautiful in the original language. And uh, North American English writers have admired uh, Neruda so much in the last uh, half century, and uh, many of his poems became available in English translation. Um, I cannot, for the life of me, find the translator uh, of, of these poems, and I apologize. Uh, it is not readily available who translated these poems. Um, I guess that's not important, but... Uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the apple. Um, so if, if, if you're really like young or not from the West uh, or not from the uh, Abrahamic uh, religious traditions, uh, maybe the apple needs to be explained here. The apple uh, in Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament to the Christians, the... Uh, the uh, it's a, it's a book from Hebrew scripture, and in the story of Genesis, the uh, you know Adam and Eve, or the uh, first man and woman, 
they were living in the Garden of Eden. Um, and uh, the way the Genesis version of the story goes, uh, um, Eve is, is tempted by the, uh, by the serpent. She, uh, she plucks the apple from the tree of life. And God has said, do not eat from this tree. This is the forbidden fruit. Do not take the, the, uh, the fruit from the tree of life. We, we, I, I, guess, I guess the apple is not in the Genesis, I, I, I suppose. Uh, um, the English language uh, translation of a translation of a translation of Genesis, uh, the King James version of the, of the Bible and subsequent English versions of, the, of Genesis have, uh, have, have turned the forbidden fruit into the apple. But in the English language world, we understand the apple to be the fruit that uh, uh, were representative of the fr of the forbidden fruit. Um, this is echoed in the uh, Enlightenment era story of uh, Sir Isaac Newton sitting under a tree, and he uh, comes up with his theory of gravity gravity when an apple falls out of the tree. Um, I don't know how apocryphal a story that is, uh, but certainly I think that story is a, a is a, a sort of a callback to the Genesis story. Um, feminist critics uh, always go back to Genesis uh, in uh, criticizing the, the assumptions of, uh, of, of gender relations uh, because in the Genesis story uh, Adam gives up a rib uh, to create Eve and uh, you know it's you know biologically absurd uh, in the sense that uh, obviously uh, Every man is born of woman, uh, and not the other way around, and and so, you know, there, there's a, uh, an endless discourse uh, on all of the uh, details and themes of Genesis. Uh, I just want to put that out there because uh, I do uh, return to uh, religious themes uh, in this podcast, uh, <clears throat> but also because we're talking about the apple. And the apple, in both Spanish and English, have um, uh, th this connotation from uh, Genesis and from uh, the religious traditions of the Abrahamic religions. Uh, again, you know, Neruda is a communist. He was uh, denounced in the 30s. He had his assets frozen. Um, he had to escape, I think, on horseback or, or a mule or something over the Andes Mountains. And uh, he was so beloved by the people, as a popular poet, that he, he was smuggled to safety. I think he ended up in Mexico for a while with uh, Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo. And then, you know, he was in Spain for a while uh, uh, before the fascists uh, took over in that country. Uh, I believe he met uh, Lorca in, uh, in Spain. And... Uh, so uh, his uh, bona fides, as a, can I say that, uh, his, his authenticity as a you know, Marxist revolutionary poet really was uh, cemented in, in the 30s. And of course, um, things changed again after the war, and uh, uh, he returned to Chile, and he, he was a senator in Chile, elected again, and, and until the time of his death, in 1973, he was very sick, he was dying. And uh, the CIA, I believe, uh, toppled the Allende government, uh, and uh, 
you know, assassins were on the way to kill Naruto when he just died. He was dead when they found him. Uh, so, you know, I, I, Naruto being a, a very political figure in many ways, his poetry is so human and not like the poetry you would expect of a political person and not like the poetry you would expect of um, some uh, Marxist ideologue. Um, so, uh, and I'll, I'll throw this commercial out here for an, uh, an Italian language film called Il Postino, uh, which is about uh, Pablo Neruda, fictionalized Pablo Neruda, who comes to a little island in, in the Mediterranean, an Italian island, uh, and he befriends a uh, postman who's in love with uh, the most beautiful girl in town. And of course, uh, you know, Neruda wrote on many subjects. Uh, his, his first and perhaps his most famous book is 21 Poems uh, uh, of Love and One of Sadness, I think it's called in English. Uh, but his, his love poems are legendary, um, you know, and they're just dripping with a, a, a Latin romance, you know, um, and not in a, in a foolish way. He, he's the master of fresh metaphors. Um, so uh, maybe I should just shut up and let Neruda uh, speak for himself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to read this in Spanish so that you can uh, laugh at my Spanish. And then uh, I will read it in English so you can understand it and, and I could understand it much better. Um, so it's Ode to the Apple, uh, La Manzana. Oda a la manzana. A ti, manzana, quiero celebrarte. Yendandome con tu nombre, la boca comiéndote. Siempre eras nueva como nada. O nadie. Siempre recién caída del paraíso, plena y pura, mi, mi hija era volada de la aurora. Qué difíciles son comparados contigo los frutos de la tierra, las celulares uvas, los mangos tenebrosos, las juezudas ceruelas, los higos submarinos, tú eras pomada pura, pan fra fragante, queso de la vegetación, cuando mordemos tu redonda inocencia, volvemos por un instante a ser también recién criadas criaturas aún tenemos algo de manzana yo quiero una abundancia total la multiplicación de tu familia quiero una ciudad una república un río Mississippi de manzanas y en sus orillas, orillas, quiero ver a toda la, pro, la población del mundo unida, reunida en el acto más simple de, te, de la tierra, mordiendo una manzana. 
So, uh, you know, if you're, uh, again, if you're a Spanish speaker, I apologize for butchering your beautiful language. Uh, if you're not a Spanish speaker, um, I hope I, at least in attempting to read that in its original Spanish, have presented to you uh, the, the beauty the the uh, the beauty of the Spanish language it's uh, it's vowels it's uh, uh, it's Latinate uh, flavor so here is the uh, the uh, the poem in English translation in the uh, mostly Germanic somewhat uh, Latin influence but mostly Germanic English language the barbarian tongue of English ode to the apple you apple are the object of my praise. I want to fill my mouth with your name. I want to eat you whole. You are always fresh, like nothing and nobody. You have always just fallen from paradise, dawn's rosy cheek, full and perfect. Compared to you, the fruits of the earth are so awkward. Bunchy grapes, muted, Mangoes, bony, plums, and submerged figs. You are a pure balm, fragrant bread, the cheese of all that flowers. When we bite into your round innocence, we too regress for a moment to the state of the newborn. There's still some apple in all of us. I want total abundance. Your family multiplied. I want a city, a republic, a Mississippi River of apples, and I want to see gathered on its banks the world's entire population united and reunited in the simplest act we know. I want us to bite into an apple. So uh, that is uh, Ode to the Apple uh, from the Spanish of Pablo Neruda translated into English. Um, I want to comment on the end of that poem. Uh, uh, when we bite into your round innocence, we too regress for a moment to the state of the newborn. There's still some apple in us all. So at the in my preview of the poem, I spoke a little bit about... Uh, the Abrahamic uh, religions in Genesis and the uh, uh, the forbidden fruit on the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden. But uh, in the line I just repeated, uh, there is some of uh, Taoist thought returning to, uh, to that. And uh, when we bite into the apple, uh, when we bite into your round innocence apple, we too regress for a moment to the state of the newborn. And there's still some apple in all of us. Uh, there is in Taoism the idea of the pu form. I hope I'm I'm pronouncing that right or closely. The pu form in Taoist thought is uh, I've heard it described as the uncut block. Uh, this means something that has not been uh, given form and shape. So in in the in the Western thought, and and I include Islamic thought in this in this block of Western thought. Um, because we're all under the influence, uh, Jews, Christians, uh, Muslims, post post uh, postmodern people from those societies, uh, 
we think in, 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 in many ways still in the Platonic form, that the, the world has kind of fallen and um, physical objects uh, are not the perfect version of those physical objects, that the perfection exists only in uh, the mind of God. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm painting with very broad brushes because I think within different uh, religions and sects in the Abrahamic and Western uh, religious and philosophical uh, traditions, there's uh, gradations uh, of, of thought about perfection and uh, the Platonic ideal, this, this idea that uh, the, the, the true form or the perfect form uh, of anything exists uh, in the abstract, in the, in the mind of God, if you will, in heaven. Um, but, uh, you know, in Taoist thought, it's the thinking about it uh, it's the thinking about physical things that make it fall, like almost as if that's the biting of the apple, you know, that's the taking of the forbidden fruit. It, it isn't the, the, the act of grasping an apple, it's the act of conceiving and analyzing the apple and looking at it as parts with pits and um, seeds and skin and, and uh, you know, uh, fruit, uh, pulp, um, glucose uh, molecules atoms and so forth you know the parsing and the and the division and analysis of a physical item uh, destroys its its poo form the uncut block the the fresh unconceived thing you know when the mind grasps onto something it uh, well there's a lot of thought about that I, I had this conversation a lot in in Turkey, there's this idea of there's this idea of a nazar. Uh, when you look at something, uh, you can you can make it sick, you know, by looking at it. Uh, if you see a beautiful girl and and you say, "Oh, look how beautiful that little girl is," uh, everybody will say, you know, "Mashallah, Allah Rasul." No, they'll 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 make some acknowledgement that it's not good to look too long at something. Um, again. As I always do in this podcast, I'm uh, throwing in a lot of different uh, ingredients into the soup pot. But, um, you know, Neruda in that poem uh, is looking at the apple as the apple is the freshest thing. It's plucked from the tree, and to bite into the apple, he says in the poem, returns us to this sort of original state, this state of innocence. Um, and I was reminded immediately of uh, this Taoist idea of the, of the poo form, of the uncut block, uh, the thing that has not been carved into anything. And uh, you might hear uh, the life of my neighbors as the city awakens here. Uh, I'm looking right now down the street and uh, there's a... A couple walking a toddler down the street, and then there's a, uh, I think we say Chopji. This is basically a trash picker. A guy goes into the trash bins and finds uh, cardboard and things like that. And uh, you see how I'm looking at everything and I'm giving it names and dividing it. So, you know, there's always this endless interplay between, uh, well, seeing something experiencing something you know in a sensory manner and then processing it in our brains and uh, 
in that processing and that naming and analyzing and renaming and cutting into ever smaller parts, we lose a kind of a freshness and an innocence of things. Uh, this is what uh, throws us out of the Garden of Eden, so to speak. Uh, it is important in the Taoist uh, sense to return to the Pu form, the uncut block. Um, it is important to, in the Abrahamic sense, to turn this, this world of particulars to the ultimate uh, general. Um, I don't mean military general, I mean the general, the ultimate abstract, uh, to, to the divine, to God, you know, turn it back over and uh, put the apple back on the tree, so to speak. Uh, but in Neruda's poem, you know, he says, no, when you, when you bite, he, he, and I guess that's the brilliance of his poem you know, there, where for Neruda, taking the apple and biting into the apple returns humanity to its innocence. It doesn't throw us out of the Garden of Eden, it returns us to the Garden of Eden. Um, I, I, I think in these times that we live in, in 2021, the pandemic and climate change and all of uh, all the problems on this very fragile planet uh, among our, our fragile species, uh, as many species are dying off and we're living so many calamities, um, it is important for us to, to consider that it's possible to improve and perfect uh, the existence of living things in our little garden here. Um, as nightmarish as so many experiences are on this planet in human experience, uh, there is this almost Garden of Eden quality uh, to life here sometimes. As, uh, I mean, today, as I'm sitting out here, if you were sitting here with me, you would... Uh, see the trees and the gardens and and you would hear the uh, maybe you hear that uh, combustion engine uh, maybe that's a sign too the what's uh, what's the problem with the Garden of Eden maybe Adam didn't uh, take a bite of an apple maybe he uh, maybe he uh, invented the uh, the combustion engine I don't know uh, so yeah, so again, I want to apologize to all the Spanish speakers for butchering your language. I want to apologize to all the feminists uh, uh, if, if I did not explain the, the problem of Eve uh, uh, taking the apple and tempting Adam in that version of the story. Uh, I want to apologize to uh, uh, all the Jews, Christians, Muslims, and Taoists, and Zen Buddhists out there. Um, and I, I just want to wish you all uh, good health, happiness, uh, apples, and if you have a moment, pause and write a poem. <laughs>